Hello, and welcome to Launch Legends, the only podcast focused exclusively on the stories behind internet marketing's biggest and best launches. Each week, we sit down with an online marketing expert to tell the story of one of their launches, what went well, what didn't, and how much cash they made. And now, your host, Hamad Akbar. Welcome to another episode of Launch Legends. So today we're joined by Neil Napier. So Neil's story is a bit different where he got into online marketing because he needed to save a bunch of money. Reason being is that he had to renew his visa, so he had to show a lot of money in his bank account. So he looked around, got into online marketing, but it did not really work out for him in the beginning. He really had to struggle. Um, Made a lot of uh, mistakes, but fast forward to now, uh, he's very, very frequently doing six-figure launches. In fact, his uh, recent launch did $225,000. So let's go and watch how he does it and uh, how he got here. Uh, before, please, if you are listening to this on a podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're watching this on tube, uh, YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. So let's go. Hey, Neil, thank you for being on the show. So let's start with... Uh why don't you tell me how you got into online marketing and why did you get into it? Sure. So for me, it was a complete accident. Uh, I come from a middle-class family and for me, it was always about a job. Basically I had to have a job. Uh, it's funny. Even to this day, my parents asked me like, are you sure things are going okay? You don't need a job still. Like I have to tell them, no, it's fine. But for me, it was completely accidental. Back in 2010, uh, I was in England and uh, my visa was running out. I had to basically find a way to stay there. And at that time, UK had just changed their regulations, their their visa regulations. And initially it used to be that you could get paid 19,000 pounds a year and you could apply for renewal. But overnight they changed that number to 30,000 pounds. So what ended up happening was, of course, I was at 24 and uh, I had to make 6,000 pounds basically in the next six months to be able to live there. And I was in a mastermind with some friends because I was doing a bit of pickup. So we're talking about, you know, girls and life in general. And they told me like, hey, have you considered freelancing? And I'm like, no, what is that? So they told me about these sites like Freelancer and uh, I think Upwork was called Odesk back then. I signed up to that. Um, I ended up getting like a side job other than my actual job just to make extra money. But I, you know, I couldn't make enough. I had to make about 6,000 pounds and I only made about three and a half thousand. And coming to the punchline, it just wasn't enough to continue to stay in England. So for me, that's when the journey actually started, when I realized, okay, there was a market outside of just, you know, going to a company, going to an office and working nine to five. So that freelancing eventually led me to even do cold calling. And I hated that. I mean, it's not really for me. I realized that later. The pay was crap. And of course, you'd be paid uh, if you were able to close someone. And I wasn't very good at that time to, I still maybe I'm not that good at closing someone. So it just, you know, it's not something I enjoy doing myself. But somehow one day, I got spammed by a marketer. I, I'm not gonna you know, say out his name because that happened like eight years ago now, but I got an email out of nowhere about this uh, product where you could learn you know, for five bucks how to set up a WordPress site. I'm like, okay, you know, I don't know where I'll use it, but sounds interesting because I could always do a service around this. Signed up uh, and since then, you know, started getting like a ton of emails after that. But that's when I popped the cherry, I guess, for online marketing. I realized, okay, I could go do this as well. But it was still difficult to create products. So because I had writing experience, I started doing copywriting. 
So I would go to people like this, the, the guy I bought the product from and say, hey, uh, I could write a sales copy for you for pretty cheap. Like at that time, I even sold it for as little as $300 and uh, just to get my feet wet. And, you know, I, I saved up enough money, paid this um, mentor of mine, Colin Terrio, $5,000 so that he could teach me all about copywriting. And uh, once he did, I was in a position to now charge more. I was charging $2,000 and more for a sales copy. And that's where I started meeting like the bigger players who could afford to pay. So, yeah, I mean, it was purely accidental. And, um, you know, because I come from a very job or service oriented family, I just, entrepreneurship is a struggle sometimes, to be honest, because I'm not, uh, as, as you may discuss, I'm not like a risk taker the way other people are. So, Right. So when did you first start to, when did you first start to get traction where you started to get email lists or some kind of audience that was responding to you? Oh, so it's actually funny. You know, the way I work, um, I tend to create a product first and I get traction later. And that's not maybe the best way to do it. And I'll actually advise people against that now, but back then it worked. So what ended up happening in 2012, and this is really interesting, is that I, I had some knowledge about Google AdSense uh, uh, for search because, of course, everyone back then had a net sites where they could put, you know, a lot of content and AdSense and they could make a bit of money. So I had found... Um, a loophole, a legal loophole, if you can call it that, to make money with Google AdSense. And I'm like, hey, why don't I show this to people? And I did. So I created a PDF, about 37-page PDF, to show to people exactly how they could use this little trick to make more money with Google AdSense. I mean, the ironic thing is, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I made like, altogether, I think in a month, I made a couple of hundred bucks from that method, but I sold it, and that sold for about... $14,000. $14,000. It was just a PDF, nothing else. No upsell, no funnel, nothing. Um, total fluke, right? Uh, I put it up on, back then there was a thing called Warrior Forum. I put it up there, 17 bucks. I gave affiliate 75% because why not? That was a norm back then. And uh, people just came out of nowhere and they promoted it. And they, it did about, like I said, about $14,000 in seven days. And I walked away with an extra $4,000, all things said and done, in pocket. I was so happy. I was telling all my friends, like I was in Finland at that time, I just moved there. I would tell everyone like, hey, you know, I just did this and I'm, I'm still like, look, look, I'm refreshing and I see sales coming in. It was, it was very, you know, I was, I was giddy with all the numbers basically. So, yeah. Very interesting. So why Warrior Forum? And- it was quite common back then because that's where I landed for the first time when someone emailed me. So I would just, you know, continue to browse those sales pages and continue seeing that because at that time it wasn't very common to have your own hosted sales pages. It wasn't very common to... Uh, do design-heavy uh, sales pages. It was all very much text-based, you know, kind of old school, I guess. That, that's uh, that's where it was big. So it's quite interesting. So you had no strategy for pricing. You had no strategy for getting affiliates on board. So let me ask you this. How many customers did you get out of, these, out of that? Oh, I got, I think so at $17, 14,000 sales. I didn't get so many. I think it was under, um, if I have it right, I had... I'm trying to remember like the exact number, but it was a few thousand, all, all things said and done, because some people got a discount as well. And some people, you know, the PDS tend to go on black hat sites as well back then. So I had like people signing up from there as well. So yeah, it's, I mean, I will say this back then, I didn't know anything about email marketing. I didn't have an autoresponder. So I didn't do anything with these customers. Like I got a list, but I don't know where that list is. So it just, um, it was a junk thing for me back then, ironically. Yeah. So if you look back, I would say that was a very successful launch because if you got if you had a few thousand customers and actually paid for it, okay, you didn't do anything with the list, but 
you did get the list, right? So you could have done that multiple times and you could have met, you could have built like a very substantial list size, right? Just by doing whatever you did, which was, you know, creating a product very quickly and just launching it. So let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I could have, I became a bit arrogant actually after that. I was like, just like you said, that was so easy. So yeah, it was really easy. And I thought I could do it again, like a couple of months later. And I tried, but that time, I guess my intentions were good, but I just didn't study the market at all, you know, because I just didn't think that was necessary. So I created a product to help people figure out what kind of strategy they should take in business. And the thing about strategy is that people just think, oh, I can figure this out for free or I can figure this out by myself. I don't need someone else's help for that. So first product, thousands of copies. Second product, I sold 10. And I put like my heart and soul into it. I sold 10 copies and I bought one of them when I was testing. So I was really disappointed. I was like, you know what? Screw it. Third time's a charm. I'll, I'll do it again. I did a different kind of product this time. So I, again, back then I said, okay, people need to create products to make money because that's what I'm doing. So I'm going to give them a product that's going to give them, you know, a million different ideas to create products in different markets. So I went out there, scraped like tons of sites uh, at that time, Yahoo Answers was big, if you can remember that. So I scraped like a lot of how to do this and where should I do this? Where should I get this? So I scraped all that content, arranged it. it. took me about like three or four weeks to do all that. And again, put it out there. This time, slightly better, 100 sales, but still not where I wanted it to be. So I must say, by then, I was actually quite disappointed because I had started high and, of course, by total accident and then just, you know, went low and just slightly higher still. But I just... Honestly, I was ready to give up back then because I thought, screw it, you know, my parents are right, I should go get a job because this doesn't look like a very steady thing to do. Um, but I'm glad I persevered. So. Right, so let's talk about the recent time. So you've come a long way. You're very well known and I've, I've seen your launches. You've done plenty of launches. I know you've got a flagship product caveat that does extremely well. So let's talk, let's talk about one of your recent big launches and start from the beginning. Now, what would be your product strategy? Well, how would you come out with a product idea? And how would you launch? How would you go from the product idea to the launch? Let's talk about the whole journey. Let's talk about a particular launch. Sure. So I'll talk about Mailview in this case because this is uh, sort of under the same umbrella as Kaiview, though not part of Kaiview, but you know, it's a similar branding as well. So Milvio is an autoresponder. It's a full service autoresponder. You basically just bring in your list and we have an SMT, we have on the IPs, uh, we have pretty strict onboarding as well. So we make sure spammers don't get in. And initially when we had the product idea, um, we kind of already had a part of it within Kaiview. So Kaiview had its own uh, autoresponder service, but the problem was it didn't have an SMTP. So there'd be people signing up from, for example, Nigeria. They would say, hey, we tried to get SendGrid, but SendGrid doesn't allow Nigerian customers to sign up. We had people who were technically not able to set up an SMTP. And we just said, you know what, screw it. We can't continue selling this because if we continue selling it like this, people are never going to adopt it because they, get, they keep getting stuck. So we also realized within the tool itself, our adoption rate compared to total number of customers was really low. So we had to figure out a way to basically give people a full service. So we, you know, worked there at night. Basically, we created, we co-created with another company, this autoresponder, that had SMTP built in, had text messaging built in, had a lot of other things, and it was backed by an eight-figure company that would provide the SMTP and a lot of the infrastructure. So autoresponders are tough because 
people don't tend to trust a new company that's just, you know, came out of nowhere because they say, oh, you know, but Avebro, get response, I've been there forever. But the thing is that when you have these, it's, it's almost um, a good thing to go against the Goliaths. Like when you're a David in this market, you can really use that us versus them strategy. So of course we weren't as mature as Aweber, GetResponse and all those companies, but where they were lacking was customer support. Because of course, once you grow up to a certain size, customers just become statistics, they become numbers, they become like these you know, blinks that you keep seeing on screen here and there. But we really emphasize the idea that it's not, you're not just dealing with a big nameless company, you're dealing with you know, me, you know, you're dealing with our support. And we give everyone like free one-on-one calls whenever they want it. If you're feeling lonely, just call us. You know, it's fine. We'll talk to you. So that actually drew a lot of people over to us because they realized that finally there was someone uh, who could stand behind them, who wasn't like fighting against them. It wasn't a struggle about like, hey, my inboxing sucks. Can you help? And they would just say, no, improve your emails. If it happens with us, we really look at everything they do and we give them like guided feedback with a video as to what you could do better. So again, I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not sure if we can keep this up forever, but we are definitely in a place where we have our customers' interest uh, in our heart. But that's about the product and then strategy and positioning. So like I said, we had to find something unique in, the, in a world where there are hundreds of autoresponders. I think for us, the service part was really the standout thing that customers could rely on. But when it came to the actual launch, we still had to convince affiliates because you know, we have a customer list from before, from all the things that we have done. And going into a launch, we know we can drive some sales. That's fine. But a launch isn't made just by us mailing. You have to involve affiliates. You have to create an event, basically. So that's what we did. Um, it was interesting as well. At that time, I was working with a JV manager, and he lives in, um, in Cyprus. So I and a few of my team members, we all flew there. So he's got a really big mansion with a swimming pool and lots of rooms. So we stayed at his place for like a week. And it was nice because... All like the core team was together. We were working towards a certain goal. It was like a party basically when we were actually doing webinars and selling. And the way we approached it is we started with a three-day value sequence. It's quite common with the product launch formula that Jeff Walker teaches. So we started with a three-day value sequence where people get a new video every day. So we focus on one problem uh, and talk about the solution and of course hint at why Melvio is the right thing for that. Day two, same thing. Day three, same thing. But this time, we'll tell them, okay, now the product that we're talking about is live. You can go and check it out and get it at an unrealistically low price. So for us, the launch wasn't just about uh, positioning uniquely with service. It was also about giving a really good price that people can't get anywhere else and they won't get anywhere else after that time period had passed. So that involves, I mean, that requires us to really hype up affiliates as well. So, you know, big prize money. So we had $25,000, no minimum. So even if we fuck up, even if the launch, I hope I can say that, even if the launch, even if the launch fails, you still get paid, basically. So you don't walk away empty handed. Uh, We had, you know, there was an event a month before that. So we had sponsored that event. We had like banners everywhere, gave away t-shirts, gave away, you know, mouse pads, which is a simple enough gift, gift, but people liked it. And then some other things as well. So it's really all about building up to it over time. And of course, with something like Melvier, we have to use our own medicine. You know, we can't use GetResponse and say, hey, go buy Melvier. So for a lot of affiliates, we gave them free accounts into Melvier. And we said, use Melvier to sell Melvier. Because of course, if you didn't, it would look bad. Your customers would think that you're just, you know, shilling basically. But if you use our tool to say, hey, if you're getting this email, it works. And that was the simplest thing. 
you know, when people saw that, they were like, yeah, this is really cool. I like the design. It's a good email. I'm going to go check out that tool and most likely end up buying as well. So we had a pretty good uptake uh, first time around. We did two launches of Melvio just within the last six months. First time around, we did about $225,000 in sales altogether. And uh, we, so we measure also success of a launch with a specific number called EPC, yeah. that is earnings per click. So that lets affiliates know that, hey, our EPC is $18. So for every 100 uh, clicks that you send, you know, we could make $1,800 and you get paid 900 of that. And of course, there's also the recurring, which you get month on month or year on year, depending on what people are buying. So to, to me, the, one of the key components of a launch is the funnel. So it has to convert. So, you know, back then in 2012, I had one product. I didn't care if it converted or not. This time I had three in the funnel. And of course, I, I you know, as we went along, I optimized all the pages um, as we were going through it. And we did run an internal offer just before that, just to kind of test things out, like what our list thinks about it. But it was still a big test, like asking affiliates to mail for something that if it doesn't convert immediately, it's a big test. And you know what? For the first four hours, it didn't convert as much as we expected it to. Part of the reason was we were going with a slightly higher price point than usual than what a market's used to. So we were going with 297. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, 297 is a tough sell for a lot of affiliates who are used to selling $37 products by just putting a lot of PLR bonuses. That's just how the market is. So it took us some time to get moving. And it's interesting. We realized that at that time, we only had an annual pricing. Like, hey, let's keep it simple. 297, you get 12 months of access. But people said, oh, is there a free trial or is there a trial? Then we realized that, okay, all these people are used to paying monthly for autoresponders. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we put in monthly option as well. And then we started seeing a bigger uptake uh, across the board. And, of course, the more people buy the front and the more would buy upsells as well. And everyone would make more money in the process. So we did make a critical mistake at that time. We didn't convert off the bat. If we had, I uh, would probably be talking, you know, 350000 or more. Like we had hope for easily crossing 300000 with something like this. But because we – and launches are all about momentum. It's about how quickly you can get off the mark. It's like a horse race. You know, the faster you can start, the faster you can get to the end line. And because we didn't start really fast, we did have some affiliates dropping out as well. And I'll be honest, it's, it's kind of hard to bring back affiliates if the male ones in our market, you know, if they haven't seen sales, they're like, you know what, I tried it, didn't work, maybe next time. So we had some of that, but um, altogether, all things considered, I'm still happy with how it went in the end. Right. So Neil, I'm just going to stop you there and I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit again. So yeah, a few questions and they're going to be all over the place. So first yeah. of all, when you were planning this launch, uh, how big was your list? And let's talk about the JV manager after that. How did you bring the JV manager on board and how, much, how, many, how many affiliates did you manage to... Uh, bring on board? Sure. So we had a list of about 8,000 people and uh, these are active people that have opened an email in the last 60 days. So we tend to mail actives only just because it keeps the autoresponders go high as well. So we had 8,000 people. Um, some of them had that part of Kaiview that they were using. So we still had to convince them why switching was the best option. Um, then the JV manager. So I've known him for a while, like he's in the same industry that we're in and uh, He's slowly become you know, a good friend, so we now, of course, talk a lot. But he has a history of uh, leading successful launches that have done multiple six figures in revenue, uh, at a mid-ticket point especially. So for mid-ticket, like I said, it's a bit harder to sell. You need a different class of affiliates. You need affiliates that are willing to push throughout the campaign and not just for the first day or the last day. 
So he, his job basically, like I had to harass him to make sure that he talks to everyone and keeps harassing them. So it was easier for me. I just didn't, you know, I'm a bit, I don't like pushing people too much. So if they say no, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But he would just kind of poke them and show them the numbers and say, are you interested now? So, you know, that way he's, he's an extrovert. So he was able to really play on his charm and his persona to bring people in. And it's interesting, but at that price point, the number of JVs is not important. I think altogether we had about 300 or so affiliates promoting and maybe a bit more. But as with all things, only 20% of the affiliates make 80% of the sales. So we had a pretty top heavy leaderboard, as we call it, where a lot of affiliates that have driven traffic throughout the launch did, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars in sales by themselves. But then, you know, at the bottom you had some that only done a thousand, two thousand, but they were still on number nine and number ten. Because again, how lopsided that that table goes. So, what's your what, what was your so? For example, someone else is starting out and they are looking to bring on board JV JV manager. So, of course, you're you're quite experienced and quite well known. So, you it, it'd be very easy for you to bring on board a very high profile JV manager. First of all, would you recommend it? You know, when you're starting out, should you bring a, a JV manager? I would. I think um, where possible, I've always tried to, mostly because it gives me um, a sense of freedom as well that I can focus on the products and the customers. Because remember, when the customers do sign up, there's a big opportunity on the back as well, selling to them. And if you're exhausted by the end of the launch, you'll do really badly uh, after it. So getting a JV manager means that I can kind of shield myself from that constant barrage of messages like, hey, when do you go live? Or do you have any email swipes? Or do you have any bonuses I can use? So it lets me outsource that to someone else so I don't have to deal with it. And really, I mean, I've built my business in such a way that where possible, I try and outsource. So I try and optimize things as much as I can. But of course, if there's someone who's better than I am at those things, I outsource it. If I had to do it myself, I absolutely would. Like I'm, you know, I'm doing a launch this month, so I have to recruit myself. But it just requires a more structured approach. Like I can tell you, I have, uh, I've seen people use Trello as well, but I have Asana board basically, where I've listed out all the A affiliates, B and C. So I try and reach out to the A affiliates as early as I can. Uh, I give them like six weeks to two months notice. And with the B affiliates, like slightly shorter notice, with the C level affiliates, even two weeks notice is enough. Of course, not everyone's going to promote. That's a given. But uh, hopefully still some people check it out and do jump on during the duration of the launch. So it's really all about communication. Uh, and that's what I find hard as well in the middle of the launch when I'm trying to do webinars to bring on new customers. I don't want to reach out to like 100 affiliates in a day. It's just exhausting. So I let someone else handle that. And what's in it for the JV manager? Like, so they usually get... They usually get between five to ten percent of like gross sales. So, for example, in this case, at the launch, did two hundred twenty-five thousand. At that time, we were paying ten percent, so they did about twenty-two grand or so on top. I mean, you know, pretty good payday for them. But like I said, it also made things easier for us. Right. And let's talk about your offer. You said that you have multiple products in the whole funnel. Uh, how did you structure the the offer? Yeah. So uh, it's a good one. At that time, we sold Milvio on credit basis. So usually autoresponder companies tend to sell. They say you get 5,000 contacts and this is how much you're going to pay every month. We said you get unlimited contacts and you get limited number of credits in a year. So you get a million credits that you can use. So a lot of people liked it because as soon as they hear the word unlimited, they're like, oh, this is really cool, even though they are capped at the number of emails that they can send. So we had that as the main offer. Now, I will say it did confuse a few people because... 
you know, they're more used to the Aweber get response model. So I'm all confused. Them like, I don't know how many emails I'm going to send this month. What if I run out? What, what if this happens and that happens? We didn't foresee all of this. I'll be honest. We so, you know, someone said to me during the launch, like a confused buyer doesn't buy, and that I think also happened to us. We didn't get as high conversions as we could, and it could be because the deal was a little bit complex. But because we did this as an upsell, we could offer people more credits. So we could say to them that, hey, you got a million. What about you get extra half a million, or three million, or six million? You know that you keep basically for as long as you have an account. And that meant that people would jump in and they'd be like, yeah, you know, like I want to get the six million because I get six million extra credits. And honestly, not all of them have used it so far. But you know, it's also about giving people a bit more of what they already got. And people tend to buy because they already trust the system because they paid the money, and now they get a little bit more of it. So that's a, it's a common strategy with funnels. And so that was the first uh, upsell. Our second upsell was an information product. So we had a training on how to drive traffic to build lists. So of course, you're buying an autoresponder. I hope you have an email list. But if you want to grow it, uh, here's a 20 hours worth of live mastermind training that we're going to do where I'll teach you about eight different traffic sources. So we sold that for $297. It didn't add a bulk of sales. Like I think altogether, that probably did about 7 to 10%, if I remember my numbers right. But that's still 7 to 10% that we wouldn't otherwise have had. So, right. yeah. Right. So... <laughs> What was the split between uh, people who paid the 297 versus the people who paid monthly MRR? So we had, at that time, we took on about 800 new users, about 550 of them were annual, and uh, 250 of them were monthly. Wow, that's still a good number. That's uh, recurring income coming in every month. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that went really well. So let's talk about the, sec the part two of this launch. Yeah, so part two of launch happened six months later. Again, we still made mistakes. Now, here's the funny thing. We make mistakes all the time. Like we say, okay, next time it's going to be different. But, you know, it ends up being the same in some way. So mistake this time was that we launched maybe too soon. Like six months gap in our marketplace is maybe a little bit too soon for some people. And also to that, we didn't introduce enough new features that could make it like a no-brainer. So in that sense, I think we didn't do ourselves enough justice. Uh, we had a similar strategy going into launch, but the offer was a bit different this time because it wanted to try out the contact-based pricing. So we said, okay, um, you can get 25,000 contacts, unlimited emails for $297 you know, a year, or it was like 39 a month going up to 49 a month. And we literally like showed, hey, look, this is how much we, call, we price uh, ourselves at, and this is how much active campaign price is at. So we are literally like 90% cheaper than them. We are 50% cheaper than GetResponse. We are... 40% cheaper or something like that than Aweber. So all in all, people could see the value. Like, yeah, the deal was what you pay to Aweber for the same number of contacts for two months, you pay to us for a year. What you pay for GetResponse for one month, you pay us for a year. What you pay for Active Campaign for 15 days, you get that for a year, plus the same functionality. So we had hoped that the uptake on that would be higher. I'm still divided as to whether or not which model actually people like, because here's the problem. Um, it didn't, we didn't have a very good upsell for something like this, right. you know, because, yeah, we, we gave people like 25K extra uh, extra contact limit, but 25K is already quite big. I mean, I myself told you I have like an active list of 12K people. I don't need 50K. So in that respect, this time the upsell didn't do so well, but I, I honestly think our hands were tied or maybe we just didn't think long enough about what we could do. But, you know, between that launch and this one, we did about, we've done now in between the six months as well, we've done about $350,000. Yeah. 
with annual recurring lined up to more than 100,000, which is confirmed. So, you know, that's not a bad place to be for a software that came to life seven months ago. Right. But in this case, did you have the JV manager again or you went below? We did. We had the same guy. And uh, yeah, I mean, he did a good job again, I think. Uh, we didn't get as much traffic as last time, but again, it's not all up to him because the deal itself, uh, it was just like too short a time between the two deals. So yeah, we had a JV manager, same deal as well. And, you know, I like him. I think we'll continue working with him just because, again, it eases the pressure on me a little bit. Right. So, so Neil, now put yourself back in the days I and mean, you know everything. So I'm coming from the perspective that someone, someone else is listening to this and they're just starting out. And put yourself in their position. What would you do? How would you start building a product? Or if they have a product, how would you go and launch it and make some money out of it so you can reinvest into the product? Uh, it's a great question. So I, I would definitely do things differently than what I'm doing now because, you know, I have a list, I have a reputation, I can bank on that anytime I want to launch, but someone new coming in won't have that. So I would strongly advise anyone who's just starting out and things are different now than they were back in 2012 uh, or 13. So I would suggest you to do a beta of your product. So for example, if it's an info product, you could even do it live. So the way that works is like, I've done this, it's a cool strategy, by the way, and I would uh, ask anyone to do it is you tell people like, Hey, I've got this amazing training. It's going to be priced at let's say $97, but I'm going to give it to you for a dollar with a caveat that we're going to do this live for three hours. And the day after the live happens, we do it on a webinar. The day after that, we'll charge you a $47 fee. Unless you tell me you hated the training, you want to cancel it. Right? So that's what you do. You sell it for a dollar. You get like a lot of people interested uh, because the value to entry is very really low. And they get on a live webinar, and the live webinar is like two, three hour long. You record everything so that you can later chop it up as well. But, you know, we tried this once. We had 150 people sign up for the dollar trial. About 100 of them showed up for a live webinar, which 66% rate you, you never usually get. And uh, almost all of them stayed until the end. So it was about two and a half hours long. They stayed until the end. Now, here's the kicker. Because you spend such a long time with people, you're talking to them, they trust you now, they like you, you've been kind of joking with them, talking about your family, whatever. At the end of it, you say, well, I hope you found this useful. There is something else I'm working on as well. Would you mind if I share that with you? Like, it's going to take about half an hour, but is it okay if I share what else I'm working on? And almost everyone unanimously goes, yeah, yeah, of course, Neil, go for it. So we did that. We upsold them into a $497 product on that webinar itself. And we said, hey, you know, your 47 is coming in already tomorrow. So I'm going to take that 47 off. You just pay 450 right now. Okay. And we had like a bunch of people sign up from that as well. We made double the money than we actually made from drawing the one plus 47. So it's a good strategy as well. And for anyone starting out, that's what I would recommend to them. So I actually had a coaching student who asked me the same question and they teach uh, property investing. And I said, do a session for this dollar thing and you charge 97. And then at the end of that, you can pitch your own consulting for like $1,000 a month. And you can say, hey, you know, if you are going to pay the 97, I'll just take that off from the, this, this payment. So here's your coupon code and get 97 bucks off. So people feel like, oh, cool, I'm actually saving money right now. So I'm going to go sign up. So it's a pretty good strategy, I think, for someone new starting out because people don't feel that they have to pay a lot of money up front. And then when you do spend two, three hours with them, they feel they've got a lot of value and they're... They're sort of, um, I can't remember what the term is, but, you know, when, when we do pickup, we call it like, I don't know, bitch shield or something. The bitch shield goes down. They don't feel like as aggressive to Reds if you're selling. So. Right. So 
How would you get those 150? So one easy way is obviously run ads, but how else would you get those 150 people to get on your webinar? It's a great question. I actually wouldn't recommend ads in the beginning because you, you don't know about the ROI. You may end up spending 10 bucks per lead and you know, you'll be quite scared because you're going into it with a loss. But I think using your own Facebook profile as a network is a good start as long as you have people who you can attract within your market. Uh, that's one thing. But then there are also a lot of competitive groups out there um, where you can go and you can contribute. You know, You can answer questions, you can make posts, and of course you can you know, your own profile has a link to where people could sign up to your list or they could sign up to this $1 thing that you're doing this Thursday. And that way, if you do that, you can easily get like 10, 20 new sales coming in every week. So if you have the patience for it, or even if you want to automate it, you could run it every single week like that and it just becomes a process. Yeah, that, that's a great way of doing, doing things because if you're hanging around in the, in, the, in the right groups, then you're learning more about the audience as well and you're figuring out what they really want, what problems they're facing. So... I would probably say that's, that's a better strategy than running ads because uh, running ads, you don't know, you'll probably end up losing everything. Whereas with groups, at least you will learn more about your audience. Yes, it will, it will take longer to get, that, get you know, that amount of people on your webinar, but you will learn a lot more that way. So Neil, uh, one last question. Uh, who's taught you the most uh, since your journey started? Who's been your biggest influence or your, what kind of mentors have really helped you? Mm. Um, I, I had a couple of mentors. I can't name them, unfortunately, because I'm covered by NDA. So that's, so I'll, I can tell you the story though. So in 2013, I was doing a lot of email copywriting for other people. So I reached out to these guys and I said, Hey, I could do email copywriting for your company. I'll take 30% of whatever you make. Uh, let's talk. And it was a bit too much for them at that time. They were like, you know, we're kind of okay doing this ourselves, but I was in Germany and uh, one of the guys was living in Germany. So you know, we connected. I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'm close by. Do you want to meet up? And he was like, yeah, okay, let's go for drinks. And we had like a wild night out. It was amazing. Um, but, you know, we talked a bit more and they realized that I was quite ambitious. And even though I don't come from an entrepreneurial background, I'm quite hardworking because I'll say this, you know, there's a, there's a thing about um, people that are born in a different country, but they live in a different country. They have a slightly different work ethic because they've been on that journey. You know, they've seen, uh, from India, I've seen like how things are there. I've lived in England, I live in Finland. So I do have slightly better work ethic than a lot of Finns, for example. Yeah. So with that in mind, I mean, they kind of saw that too. And they said, hey, let's, you know, work together. Let's start a company together. We'll mentor you through it. Um, they did take a big chunk of the company, unfortunately, back then. But honestly, the insights I gained from working with them for about four years was just tremendous. Yeah. And um, it was just... Yeah, I mean, I gave up a lot of money in the end. I even when I was buying the company back from them, I even gave up Bitcoin. And that time, 16, 2016, Bitcoin was crap. It was like $450 a piece. And of course, 2017 or so or 18, it was like 20000 So yeah, I lost a lot of money in that transaction, but I gained a lot as well. And uh, honestly, if I could work with them again, I would, perhaps not under the same terms. But, you know, it's been like they had a mind of seeing angles and strategies that sometimes I don't. So that really helped me, you know, kept me motivated, kept me on my feet to kind of do better. So, and I also feel that if you have the sense of respect for your mentors or coaches and you kind of want to prove yourself to them, you work harder. You kind of want to make sure you don't let them down. So I had that for a long time until I didn't, but when I did, I just, you know, worked really hard to make sure that they always saw me in the best way. So, 
Yeah. Neil, thank you very much. And thank you for being really frank and sharing all the numbers. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. And that's it for this episode of Launch Legends. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and share more online marketing launch stories, please search for Launch Legends and your favorite podcast listening app, and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.